Will you join me in prayer? Dear Father, even now we ask that you would open our hearts and minds, make us malleable to your will, and proceed, O oh Lord, to do your transforming forming work within us, even as you did to our father Abraham. We pray, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to begin a series on Abraham, and he is the father of our faith. And interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, there's much more reference to Moses and Moses' faith than there is to Abraham. But in the New Testament, there's all kinds of references back, all the way back to Abraham, the father of, of the faith. And of course, it is a faith, Abraham, the faith of Abraham is shared, not just among Christians and Jews, but also Muslims. So his story is really transitional for all people. I'm going to start this morning actually at the end of the 11th chapter of Genesis. And it is at a junction point, the fulcrum, from which time the story of God begins with the creation of the world and the creation of the people of the world. And then it transitions over to the faith community. And so it is a critical point in scripture where God goes from just the general stuff of creation and, and the peoples of the world to the point where he begins the process of choosing a holy people. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the book of Genesis. This bright light has <laughs> blinded my eye. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, Abram's wife, and his grandson, Lot, this son of Haran, Haran's, I'm so sorry, I can't see this. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, his, son's, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans he was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into the household of Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land, give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country and Bethel, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he called out to the Lord. And Abraham continued traveling south with stages toward the Negev. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So the people of God, this family that would become the people of God, left Ur, which is down where in, where in Iraq by the Tigris and Euphrates River. He went northwest to a place called Haran, but they were supposed to go from there all the way down to the land of Canaan. But once they got to Haran, they got comfortable. They stopped. They didn't go any farther. And as it so happens, Abram and his wife Sarai weren't able to have any kids. And so everything stopped right there. And it would be such that the whole story could have ended right there if it weren't for the call of God. If it weren't for the moment where God reached out to Abram, in what way we have no idea, but somehow a call came to Abram to go from there. But otherwise, everything was done. The travel of this family was completed. And as far as Abram and Sarah were concerned, there was no future for them. And it's at that time that the call comes. At the time when everything is stopped, when everything is done, when there's no hope for the future and no ability to create a future, that the call of God comes. And we have to remember that at such a time, we can implode into ourselves. When things seem hopeless, when there seems to be no future, when it seems that everything has stopped, it's at such a time as that that we, we can become very aware of how limited we are and we can kind of close in on ourselves and we can begin to fight off some of the depression that sets in. I don't know how many of you have struggled with that, but without us being together, I know I personally have had times when I've surveyed my own life and just thought about all the mistakes I've made all the failures I've made along the way. It just seems like everything has stopped. Driving down this morning, looking in my rearview mirror, once again, there were no cars behind me. And I thought, what on earth? This is a, such a difficult time. It seems like everything has stopped. And it doesn't seem like we can even determine our own future right now. All of our human efforts seems to come, seem to come to nothing. And it's at such times as that, that the call of God comes to us. When I was a kid, about seven years old, I, would, I was with Johnny Steinheiser and my dog Buff, and we went behind the house was a, what we called the bluff. And the bluff went down, this was in Spokane, it, went, it was behind the house and went down to Hangman's Creek down below and, and then all of Eastern Washington to the West. And, 
we went to, well, we were on an adventure. We were exploring. There are all kinds of mysteries. When you're a little kid, there are all kinds of mysteries about a place like the bluff. So we were going to explore. And we went down to this place where there was a, there had been a landslide. And we stood at the top of this, this gouged out area. It was all sand. And, and it was supposedly a very dangerous place. And we, we went to this very dangerous place because we were kids and because we, we felt like there was mystery where there was danger. And so we together stood at the top of this cliff and saw the sand sloping down beneath us. My dog Buff was kind of being obnoxious and he was pressing up against me and, and um, wouldn't you know, the, the ground right underneath my feet gave way. And I started down the bluff. I started down that, that sandy slope and I could not stop. The sand was going faster than I, I could fight against it. And I was terrified. Didn't know what to do. I was just fighting it as best I could. And I spotted a little promontory that had, that had been left behind from the landslide. And I, I tried to at least steer myself toward that spot. And I got to that spot and there was a, a precipitous drop about 30 feet down onto boulders. And I was stuck. Everything was stopped. I didn't know what to do. Everything had stopped. And I stood there thinking I had no future. Times like that, we find ourselves in those places where we're on a, on a, on a slippery slope, a promontory that leads only to the, the gravel and the boulders below and, and certain injury or certain hardship and difficulty. But we have to remember, those bad times never last. Those bad times simply do not have the capability of conquering a people of God, a people whom God has claimed, a people who belong to him and put their trust in God, put their trust in him. So we, we find ourselves in a place even now as a people where we don't know what's gonna happen next, but we feel stuck. But it's not at a time like this that we lose our faith. It's a time like this that we, that we have to regain our faith. But faith gets eclipsed by difficult times. And when we falter with our faith, we begin to lose our hope. And we have no faith. If we have no hope, we have no sense of future. And we need simply the, the support and the love of one another. And at a time like this, we can't even have that because we can't get close to each other. The social distancing thing is debilitating to the human community. We have to nevertheless demonstrate our love for one another because these bad times cannot last. And the reality is it is into such times Perhaps it is at these times when we are at our end, when we find ourselves in a place of utter barrenness, then God speaks. Then the call of God comes because God doesn't want us to rely upon our capabilities any further, but to rely totally upon him, fully upon him. And so the call of God came to Abram. 
And the call of God said to Abram to go and take all of his stuff and go to a place and he'll show them, he'll show them all what that place is once they get there. And, and Abram does it. Figured there's no future here in Haran. I'm getting out. At least I've got some sense of future by getting out of here because this is a dead end. At least going from here, going from here, at least I can hope again. At least I can move, go forward. God made a promise to him. First off, that he would show him the place where he was to go once he got there. And that he would be a blessing to those who were there. That the people of the world would be blessed through him. The promise to Abraham was that through him and through his, his, his ancestry, or rather through his progeny, all the world would be blessed. That through Abraham, the world would be blessed. So he was blessed, not for his own sake, but for the sake of others. Blessed to be a blessing. And that constituted the nature of the call of God to Abraham. And how on earth would Abraham have any sense whatsoever what that meant? Especially when he, even though he had plenty of cattle and people around him, even though he was not alone, he was on a, a quest. He was on a quest to a place that would mean that there was no going home, no going back. You know, I referenced that story of going down that cliff with my, my buddy. And that was an adventure, but we knew where home was. A quest, there's no going back. There's no going home. Abraham was on a quest. He wasn't just going to figure some things out or to scout some things out and then head back home. He was there and he didn't know what his future held. But what he had was the promise of God. And the good things of God cannot be taken away. The promise of God cannot be nullified. The gifts of God cannot be overcome by anything on earth or under the earth. The gifts of God cannot be taken away. So the promise to Abraham cannot be taken from him. So he had to go by faith, step by step going forward, not knowing what the future held, but knowing that it was God who called him into that future. The promise was his and the promise would sustain him. So he went. He went with the, the faith that, and that's all he had was faith. He didn't have anything that he could see. He just had the promise. So the good things of life, the best things of life cannot be taken from us. And so we in our current circumstance and situation have to know that the best things of life will sustain us and cannot be taken from us. The faith that we have in Christ, the love that we have for one another, the, the challenges that we have in this life, 
None of that can be taken away. And even, even if, as it will one day for all of us conclude with the end of our lives, we have the promise of God awaiting us in the kingdom of heaven. And so it is that the bad things don't last and the good things cannot be taken away. And the best is yet to come. The best things in life are still out in front of us. The promise of God is always that which draws us forward and gives us a sense that, that there's no point in time when, when we're done, when we operate and function and walk in the promises of God. Abram was 75. Now, I used to think that was old. I don't think so much, so much anymore. And, and so it is that there's no point in life where we can't start over again. If, if Abram at, at 75 years old can pick up everything and start moving again and start a whole new life, why can't you, why can't I? We can always start again based on the promise of God. And the promise of God ensures us that the best is yet to come. It's out in front of us still. So there I am, out on that scary place, standing there basically with a very fragile foothold. I still remember looking down at my feet. I remember seeing a marble right there. How it got there, I never know, but I was into that kind of stuff when I was a kid. But I remember that marble right there. But I stood there and I looked out. It was about five o'clock in the evening. I looked out over, the, uh, over the, the valley. And I did then what Abraham did. Because when Abraham got to the promised land, it wasn't all so promising. The Canaanites were there. And they were wandering around. They were going from pasture to pasture. And they didn't know what to do. And so... Abram, who was operating solely out of faith, called out to God, called upon the name of the Lord. He called out to God. I'm standing out there, that's what I did. Just a kid, but standing out on that promontory, I started yelling, Jesus, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Sounds funny now. It was childlike faith at work. And then way down in the bottom of the canyon, I heard somebody call back. It wasn't Jesus. It was just some guy down there. And he called. And I said, I'm stuck here on the bluff. And I can't get down. I called, Jesus, Jesus, again. And in about 10 minutes, police Fire department pulled up at the top of bluff up on high drive. And mom and dad were there. And they all came down. They threw a rope down to me. And I grabbed the rope, held on. I reached out, grabbed that marble, and was then pulled up the cliff. And then dad scolded me, told me I should never have gone down there. He said, I've told you not to go down here. Mom just hugged me and kissed me. And believe it or not, I've got it on tape because it was on the newsreel that night. Me being hauled out 
being a disobedient kid, doing stuff that kids do. But it was an adventure that reminds me of this life as a quest. I got to go home again. The reality is when we follow Christ, we don't go back to Haran. We're going to Canaan. The promise of God is that the best is yet to come. The best is always going to be out in front of us until that day when the grace of God is fulfilled and we know the glories, not just of reunion with those who've gone before us, not just the joining up with that great cloud of witnesses, but the joys of the presence of Christ himself. The best is yet to come. Will you join me in prayer? Thank you, O Lord, that when we cry out to you, you hear, our, you hear us. And you know what is best for us. And you will bring us to the place, to the land of your intent. Thank you, Lord, for this is your amazing grace. This is the promise that you have given to all of us as we put our faith and our trust in you, looking to you, not to the stuff of this world, but to that which we cannot see. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.